This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The following program is rated for mature audiences and may contain adult language, adult situations, and frank safety discussions. The names and certain details have been changed to protect the safe and the unsafe. But believe me, every item in here is true. Heat stress and fire retardant clothing, today on Safety Wars. So this is a topic we get into every summer at my projects. Up here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's summer. I know in the Southern Hemisphere where some of these programs are listened to, it is now going into winter. So I worked in the oil refining industry and environmental cleanups and in oil terminals for many, many years. The environment in some of these job sites, we'll just say they're hotter than hell, right? One of the questions that always comes up is why are we wearing fire retardant clothing and all this protective equipment when these hazards are very remote? That we're, can they happen? Sure, but they're really never going to happen, right? And why are we wearing all this stuff when heat stress is a real hazard that we get? We're going to be hot, it's going to be sweaty, it's going to be miserable. So what's the uh, story here? I was on a job site where it was well into the triple digits here. That's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. I was on an industrial painting crew where we were wearing FRC because it was a facility policy and because we could not be exposed to flammable materials like oil and gasoline. And on top of that, the paint that we were using was flammable also. It's a two-part epoxy. So what did we do? We wore FRC. We implemented a work rest schedule, had cooling vests, water, sports drinks, everything else that you're supposed to have in this situation. So, just to let you know, if you've ever worked in an oil terminal, there's a lot of sampling and tank gauging where they're measuring levels of the tank every day, practically. And all this stuff has to happen for them to move oil around so it makes it to the downstream market, that is the retail market. So one day, the guy who was issuing work permits and forcing us all to wear FRC and being a real jerk about it, pulls up to the tank next to us. Passenger of his vehicle gets out with sample containers, but get this. He's wearing sneakers, nylon shorts, a nylon tank top, and a pair of sunglasses that were definitely not ANSI Z87 approved. He goes up to the top of the tank, gets a sample of gasoline, comes down, goes in the truck, and leaves. He's handling the real stuff, all while holding a cell phone, and that was not an intrinsically safe cell phone, I might add. No gloves, no nothing. Any idea what happens if nylon catches on fire by any chance? It's not a pretty sight. It basically melts to your skin. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. The guys look at me like, WTF is going on here? Jimmy, this is nuts. The permit issuer comes out about an hour later uh, to do his normal audits and checks and everything, and he's questioned by the crew. His response, if you don't shut the bleep up, Get the bleep out. And don't you have to finish by Friday? Look at the situation this puts safety in. Your whole safety department. This is not an uncommon situation. And it makes safety look real bad. And this is where you come up with the safety doesn't know what the hell's going on in the field type thing. Some of my thoughts here. Companies don't want to manage different jobs or hazards or PPE requirements. So they make cookie cutter decisions. Everyone wants to wear FRC, whether it makes sense or not. 
I've also been on construction jobs. Let's get out of FRC, fire retardant clothing, and let's go into fall protection. I've been on jobs where every time you left that trailer, that office trailer, that lunch trailer, no matter what, you had to wear a harness. For what reason? Had to wear a harness. And if you didn't, you were thrown off the job. Number two. This leads to a situation of not trusting the worker or field supervisors to actually make decisions. In this case, you had a qualified safety professional, me, and a qualified permission issuer that could have made decisions. I think it was the right decision to wear FRC in this case, but what about all the other uh, job activities going on at that facility? It makes us all look stupid when things like this happen. What's the deal with letting this sampler on site? No PPE, not even gloves to handle something that's even more hazardous than what we were handling. Again, it makes this look like a joke. Number four, the attitude of this guy. I suspect he was under pressure, but at the time, he undermined his own credibility, stepped on his own foot. He was probably forced by the situation to let this happen, because these are the types of conversations that happen. Someone comes in, and they're like, I'm only going to be here for five minutes to take a sample. I'm not putting all this stuff on. Oh, and by the way, if you don't let me work this way, your work doesn't get done. You don't get to sell that oil. You don't get to move that product. And guess what? You're going to have a problem. So the guy goes in and lets this stuff happen. And what's the priority? It's production, as usual. And the last one. This is not a psychologically safe environment. Had we pursued this like we're supposed to, right? We're supposed to report near good catches and this thing and that thing, right? And basically, because of the attitudes of everybody on this job, this stuff never gets reported. Puts people at risk, and the long-term outcomes are goofna. They're horrible. So what does OSHA say on all of this stuff, especially with FRC? I was recently preparing a safety meeting for a client, and I came across a letter of interpretation from OSHA from May 2010. This scenario that I'm going to give you is right off of the OSHA website, but I had to edit it down for content. Dear OSHA, I'm an electrician with 30 years of experience. Currently, I'm working as an electrician at a certain workplace. I won't mention it. For the past 10 years, I've been wearing lightweight, light-colored, loose-fitting clothing while working in the heat and humidity. So this worker had everything figured out, how to work safely here. However, my employer has now instituted the mandatory use of heavy, flame-resistant uniforms, which has to be worn at all times. 90% of the time, I'm not exposed to anything that's going to give you a fire hazard or an electrical hazard. So this is what the guy's question was. Why can't the employees wear the regular loose-fitting lightweight clothing when doing one activity and then wear the appropriate flame-resistant clothing when we're doing the other activities that warrant it? So how does OSHA answer this? The long and short is that the employer has to protect the employee from both hazards, electric and heat stress. Although there is no official OSHA heat stress standard, the employer can be cited under the general duty clause, which requires the employer to supply a safe and healthful workplace to the employees free of recognized hazards. In this case, the recognized hazard is heat. What are some of the options that the employer has? Supplying water and maybe sports drinks that are appropriate, a work rest regimen that's put out by certain organizations, a heat stress program, maybe scheduling the worker uh, to work at other times when it's not so hot. So the employer does have options. 
And if they tell you otherwise, and this is me saying this, if the employer tells you otherwise, they may not realize that they have other options, or they may be hoping that you don't know what's going on and hoping that you go away. Blaming OSHA, safety, or the man for these types of policies really isn't right, and it's really a cop-out. No one owns their decisions, right? What's this? You gotta own a decision. You make a decision, you gotta own it. We talked about that recently in one of our other broadcasts. It makes everyone's job harder when no one wants to own a decision, when no one wants to be innovative, no one wants to look out for the employee, maybe explain to the employee why we have these policies, and be open and frank with them. That makes your job easier. And let me point out something. Usually those folks that make those kinds of decisions, those cookie-cutter uh, decisions, are working in a nice, air-conditioned office. Hey, that's just my experience. I have heard of oil refineries and oil terminals down in the southern United States that actually go out of their way to try to assess hazards. They don't come up with cookie-cutter approaches, especially with heat stress. They go and they do an assessment and figure out ways of managing things, put some authority back into the hands of the field supervisors and employees to manage these hazards. Getting everybody involved, making decisions that make sense. That's how you're going to win the safety war here, guys. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.